Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come before your throne of grace. Thank you, Lord, for grace and mercy that we have for us in our time of need. And Father, we always need you. You know that. And that's why you allowed your son to come and rescue us at the appointed time. There was an appointed time for all of us. So we thank you, Lord, that we appreciate your timing in all things. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. So we were talking about standing fast in your liberty, amen, that Christians are free. You know, the devil does everything to twist stuff. He'll make it seem like the life of sin is a life of freedom. And then he'll make it look like the life serving God is a life of bondage. Mm -hmm. If you have not noticed, notice now, because you know, uh, people in church wish they was out of church. So it's easy to get jealous of the sinner. You just watch them long enough and see if something won't pop up in you. And saying, I got to do this, I got to do that. I got No, you don't got to do, you're free to do. See, so you're finally free to choose righteousness. You're free to choose the right way. You didn't have a choice before. When you live for the devil, you were bound and didn't know it. You thought you was free. Huh? Harriet Tubman says, that. what did she say? I freed uh, a thousand slaves. I could have done a thousand more if they realized they were slaves. Oh! Huh? It's a good way to preach the gospel. That's why we have to point out people's bondage to them sometimes. You know, they don't know it's bondage. You know, sometimes they'll come to you with, with known problems that they have that, that they've tried to get free of and it, it'll be an awareness to them. But sometimes people don't really know they're bound. They don't know that, that, that they can live a righteous life, that they can live. Anytime you're ashamed of God, afraid of God, not want to get close to Him, not want to get close to His people. You ever hear people say, well, I love God, but I can't stand church people. Well, you don't love Him. It's like, you know, saying, if I told Pastor Shirley, I love you, but I can't stand them kids of yours. You understand what I'm saying? You got me? It's, it just doesn't, no, it's a hurtful thing. You know, it really is. You don't, you don't separate people from who they really are totally, and you can't separate God from his people and say you love God, but you don't love Hey, you see people don't go to church, don't miss church, don't want to go back to church because they think the church bound them and they think being out now is free, like they were in a jail or something somewhere, you know. And we have to correct our thinking about God and what he gives to us and what he brings to us. I can tell you I am freer now to do what I want to do because I'm grown. I tell y'all that all the time, y'all. Y'all can be grown if you want to. You understand what I'm saying? But uh, it's a wonderful thing to know the truth that you have liberty in Christ. Now, you don't want to you take your liberty for license. Like if you say, for instance, well, you know, there's no real dress code in the Lord. He says modest, but that doesn't mean that don't give you the length of nothing. Or how low or how high or how tight or how loose or how. But what makes you feel modest? According to your conscience. Huh? What, what makes you feel 
comfortable that you're appropriately dressed for God, whether you're in church or whether you're out of church. And sometimes people in authority have to set some rules for that kind of thing. You understand what I'm saying? You, you just can't like, like for instance, I would, I would admonish women when they would have jeans that are ripped out. And that, you know, they're ripped out on your thigh. Well, would you wear some, would you wear your drawers to church? Let me put it that way. Y'all all woke. Would you just come in here with your drawers on? And that's it? Well, that's exactly what you're doing when you have your little thighs cut out. The other part about that is, is that when you're a pastor of a church, you are in charge of a sanctuary for God's people. This is like our place where we get refuge from that world that is pushing itself in on us, where you can come into a church service and just say, Phew, I made it in here. I can relax and be among people of like precious faith. But if somebody's riding the edge of the rules and coming in with something that's inappropriate for a sanctuary, let's think about it. How is somebody who, say, a woman who's got teenage sons that tries to keep them living chase, how's she going to feel comfortable in the sanctuary which you got it hanging out because you take your liberty for license? Woo, I can hear a pin drop. And see, but I'm mean if I say something to you. You be mad at me for months and years. Because I told you to show some respect in the house of God. Respect yourself if you don't respect her son and her husband and whoever. You understand? Respect yourself. (laughs) You can sing it if you like it. You can sing it. I don't care. But we should we should do that. And see, I'm telling you to tell you this, that there is a fine line sometimes between liberty, the freedom that Christ gives us, and your license to ride the edge and see how much hell you can bring into your life. See, people, you know, we got church people that fornicate all the time. Because we don't just sit up and throw you out like they did in the early church. They would throw you out if they found out you were in that kind of sin. But see, what we, our hope is that through the preaching at the, at the pulpit, God will speak something to you to put your heart under conviction and your love for Him will out, 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 outweigh your love for the things of the flesh. That's what the preaching of righteousness is all about. And so if if that doesn't get it, then you continue in it. There's something's flipped in your head that makes you think that you're getting away with something in God. And the Bible says, don't don't deceive yourself. God will never be mocked. You can't look at his word and say, ah, ha, 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 I didn't have to do that. I'm still in church. I still get my needs met. I still got a job. I still, the day you start saying that, you just look out for a Mack truck to go, bam, because that's what you're looking for. See, you're looking for the God of instant judgment instead of the God of mercy to be over your life. 
You're living under the benefits of the mercy of God. You're not living under your good behavior in the Lord. We're all living under the mercy of God. It's mercy when he shows you the right way. It's mercy when he he allows you to repent for the umpteenth time of the same stupid thing. And don't put you out on the street begging. When your own children do wrong, you don't put them out. Unless it's got real, real bad. You understand they get that defiant rebellion thing. Well, actually, we don't put ourselves out of God's grace. He, he, he doesn't put us out. We put ourselves out. There comes a time when we all have to realize, even though we have liberty in certain things, you should never take that for a blanket permission. To look like the world, act like the world, talk like the world, think like the world, do what the world does. Because you have to stand in what God has set you free from and trust that you're doing the right thing because you're obeying God. Righteousness, the life of righteousness has great gain. The Bible says contentment with it is great gain. See, you can go to to sleep at night and don't owe nobody nothing. I don't care how many bills you got sitting up on your desk. Huh? That if you live right before God, you're expecting him to get those bills paid for you. I'm serious. And you can go to sleep and you don't have to worry. You don't have to fear. See, that's a liberty. You are free from the debt, the fear and worry of debt in your life and the reality of debt. Why? Because you live it by faith in God because he has set you free from everything that the world thinks they can use to bind you and hurt you. God has set you free from that. You don't have to live like a heathen anymore, scared of everything. Nervous wreck, can't eat, can't sleep, can't do. You know, you don't have to live like that. When you live in righteousness and obedience to God, you can live a peaceful life. You can live a sin-free life. And you can enjoy it. Living right is not a sacrifice. It's a command. You've got all the tools you need to live right. So it's a command now to do those things. Why? Because believe it or not, the command of God in you to live right is stronger than the temptation of sin. You Presbyterians, you sit there and don't say anything. Everybody's scared to exhale. Let some air out. It's just, you know, loosen your tie, take your shoes. No, don't take them off. Loosen them laces, but don't take them shoes off. <laughs> Leave them hot dogs in there. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. So for Galatians 5.1, stand therefore. What's the therefore about? Well, Paul had just, re- these, these people uh, were converted Jews. He's reminding them. Of their old covenant system. He talks about there being two ways to live. Said that old covenant was, was, uh, 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 indicative of some symbols that he was bringing them. And he says that the old covenant represents Abraham's wife by the bondwoman. Which is going to keep you bound up. You keep trying to do right on your own. Trying to impress God with what, how little you do this and how much you do that. You're falling into the trap. Well, I mean well. Well, no, you don't. Because you don't really trust God to lead you. you got to let go of all that stuff and trust God to lead you. 
And trust me, when, when you live a life of redemption in God, every day can be an adventure. Instead of you being frustrated and angry because your plans that you've had keep grinding to a halt, same old, same old, uh, let that go and ask God to show you why you're really here. Show me what you want me to do today, Lord. I don't have to be doing nothing. You show me what you want me to do. And your life then will take off once God understands that you are going to follow him. Your life will take off in the direction he wants it to go. And trust me, his his life for you is far more interesting, far more fruitful and productive than anything else. How many of you ever prayed for, and I'm talking about young people, older people, whatever, prayed for somebody and they came back later and told you God answered that prayer? That's pretty much everybody in here. And and that's something that you as a sinner would never think that you would ever get involved in. Most of what we were involved in as sinners was either trying to prove to somebody something about us, trying to get involved in something that was being held back from us. You know, we want to be in the cool group in school and couldn't get in. It was a life of of plans, uh, imagination, fantasy, and frustration. Because most of the stuff we tried to do, we could not work it out ourselves. And it wasn't like it was bad stuff to want. It was just that it was a failure. Everything everything you ever want to do in the flesh is going to fail. Why? Because the man of the flesh has no power to bring stuff. You can dream all you want to. But you got no power to bring that dream to pass and you know it. There are people sitting up every day like we look at... Um, uh, uh, what is all them shows they have? I don't know the how they run, but I know there's a voice, the voice. There's the, uh, what was that other one? Idol, American Idol. Now they got a British Idol. They got a Filipino Idol. They got Puerto Rican Idol. They got idol shows everywhere. You know, it, everybody looks at that. And, oh, but you see how many people are standing in line just to get a chance to audition and flop. You want to stand in line? Or would you rather pray and expect God to open a door for you and you just walk right in? See, but we don't want to pay the price. We think that's too. Well, God wouldn't do that. He wouldn't do it. Oh, (laughs) start working with him and see what he won't do for you. He'll do everything in that Bible that he promises to do for you and me and everybody else. So you don't have to try to be nobody's idol. You don't have to try to be nobody's voice. All you got to do is be you and and belong to God. Amen. Just belong to him. So we have the freedom now to come out of the line waiting on a turn to fail. That's not kingdom living. The Bible says we have an inheritance with God, which means that it is laid up for you with. Do you know that there's all kinds of unclaimed everything because they can't find the heir to that stuff? It sits there until it's claimed. And it's the same thing with the promises of God that are slated for you. That's your inheritance. It will sit there until it's claimed by you. You understand? And so God isn't, you're not competing. When you get in God's kingdom, you don't compete with nobody for nothing. Are you kidding me? There's no scarcity of anything in God's kingdom. 
It's just the lies of the devil telling you, well, you, you ain't gonna never get married. Ain't no man in this church. You didn't come here looking for a man. You came here looking for the man, the man Christ Jesus. Huh? That's the only man you gonna find up in here. So we don't promise you no hookup, no man, no, nobody, you know, where all the men at? They left when they saw you coming, you, okay, I'm gonna go there. I'm gonna be nice, 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 nice. Excuse me, you saint. Okay, see, I said saint. You understand what I'm saying? People who come looking for that need to be thrown out the first day they come in. Huh? I'm going to sit here and watch some man go through all the women in the congregation just picking over who he wants. Got two of them going out with him at the same time. I like me some holy women, I bet you do. So no, you ain't going to find none of that in here. You're going to find God. That's all we promise you up in here. Come in here looking for me. Say no social club. Now, where was I? We were standing fast, therefore, in the liberty. So there are two ways to live. You can live free or you can live bound. And what Paul is admonishing them is to stay as far away from the bondage stuff as they can. Amen. Stay as far away from worldly things as you can. Stay far away from the world's values as you can. Many times, I can remember when I was was a, was a sinner. And I would say some some bad word. And there was a woman, I didn't realize at the time, she was a backslidden Pentecostal. And she would tell me, she said, you know, you don't even look right saying a word like that. She said, you don't go to church? I said, I used to. And she said, that word don't even look right coming out of your mouth. And see, I wasn't even saved then, but I was marked. See, when you're called to be saved, you're marked already. And I would have people over and over again remark to me, you you sure you don't do so and so and such? You look like, you understand what I'm saying? Sinners can tell you don't belong in a life of sin. You, you understand me? And so when, when you, when, when you are marked by God, you're marked forever. You're marked, but from the foundation of the earth. People, my aunt, I had an aunt that was a hairdresser. I used to work with her. She said, baby, you got that gift just like your daddy got. She said, your mama got some of it too. And she was right. You know, and she said, she used to call it the gift of gab. I said, okay. <laughs> Because she didn't know what else to call it. And in, in her denomination, they're very cautious about telling people they're called to preach. You know, she had that respect for God as well. And so, but, but sin doesn't look good on some people. You look a little foolish trying to look like the world. You understand what I'm saying? And so just, just be who you are. Stand in your liberty. Don't try to get yourself bound up in nonsense again. Don't try to get yourself you know, thinking it's cute to do this and it's cute to do that. And, you know, most of us too old to be cute. I'm saying, you know, kids stop, kind of stop being cute, cute when they like six and seven. You know, when they get a little older, it's like, you know, everybody got them, them class pictures they want to burn up. No teeth in the front. And, see, those are the wonder years. The ugly years kick in on you. Right, you wonder what you were doing. You want to hide them pictures. But uh, you know what I'm saying. It's, it, grown people ain't cute. 
they either make fools of themselves or, or, you know, live lower than what they're supposed to live. So, so Paul talks about the two covenants and he said, we, those, but you who are born from above are free. Huh? That's, uh, Galatians 4, uh, 26. It's just one chapter up, verse 20. But Jerusalem, which is above, is free, which is the mother of us all. And so when you understand that you're born of a, a, a spirit of freedom, you're free to refuse certain things and you're free to accept certain things. So the New Testament life is not like the Old Testament. The Old Testament was a book of don'ts. And as soon as you did one of the don'ts, you were in trouble, you know, for a long time. And that made many of them, instead of running to the, the priest to get atonement, many of them would run from God until the whole nation would run from God and, and not repent. And so when, when Christ came, he opened up a life of continual freedom by continual walking with him. You choose to walk with God. So yesterday we talked about some things that we were freed from. We said we're free from sin. We're free from the curse that falls on you because of sin. We're free from the devil's power and darkness. And we're free from fear. Then you're free to do certain things. Now the life of Christ is a life of doing the right thing, of doing, not refraining from doing. If you're refraining from doing, you're probably doing that under your own power, trying to. Amen? Then you brag about and talk about, and that makes you a big target from the death of the devil. Pretty soon you'll find yourself getting trapped up in it. Why? Because that's taking glory from God. If you're doing anything right, it's because God enables you to it. And you stumbled in on the fact that, because most of it, most of it with us is divine accidents. People say, you know, you prayed for me that time and so and so. You say, huh? That was me? You, you said, listen, they said, oh, that sound real good. You sure that was me? Huh? And so, it is all grace. Amen. When Jesus said, follow me, he meant that. He said, don't look back, keep going forward, just go in the steps I give you to step into, and you cool. You start doing something else, trying to get all crazy with it and get fancy with it and start doing your own thing, you lose me. Amen? And so you want to stay a hold of Jesus with everything that's in you. So the things that we are free to do. Yesterday we covered the things we are free from. We are redeemed from the curse of the law. Galatians 3.13. That is a biggie. Because the biggest thing with a Christian is when we make, when we sin, we start looking around, feeling guilty, instead of going to Christ, going to our lawyer. Amen? You know, thugs have more sense than us sometimes. The first thing is, uh, uh, and especially in this day and age, we're living in the the world of accusation, where an accusation against you is is just as powerful, if not more so, than established guilt. You can accuse people and wreck their lives with no evidence. You got me? 
I mean, no evidence. And we're seeing that played out. You understand me? Now, I don't care what side you're on. You don't have to be on the political side. Because, listen, Bill Cosby in jail by the same trumped up stuff. O.J. Simpson was acquitted years ago, and people still tell you he's guilty. You understand what I'm saying? So you can't tell me accusation isn't powerful in the earth. It's just as powerful, if not more so, than established fact. And see, you as Christians, we've got to watch out for that. Because we'll be siding with some, yeah, 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 they, they ain't no good. They ain't and before you know it, the police didn't come to your door and lock your son or your grandson up. You tell me I'm lying. So you have to be careful what you agree with on earth. Because heaven has no no choice but to let heaven agree with it down here for you. So watch what you agree with. I don't care who you like, who you don't like. And it's all bogus. That stuff that happened to Bill Cosby should not be happening. Legally or any other. Listen, this man, this man lived as a quote unquote Catholic all of his life. He's given tons of money, millions of dollars to colleges and all that kind of stuff. And that was stripped of him. Why? Because of years of, of sin in his past. Now let me stop you right there. Because I'm going to tell you something about the mercy of God. If God sees one of his, just like if you got a kid that's fornicating, making a bunch of babies they don't take care of. If God decides one day to forgive him totally and wipe out all that past child support, then let him go free. You don't bring that back up again to him. You hear me? Because his law is higher than our law. He looks at a person's heart and not at what they do. Because you don't know why people do stuff like that. Kevin Spacey molested all these young boys. When they looked his cases over, oh, statute of limitations has run out. We don't take him to court. But Bill Cosby, they lifted his statutes of limitation. Got an 82-year-old man sitting up there in jail like he can really hurt somebody. And this judge is telling he's a dangerous sexual predator. How many 82-year-old men you know are dangerous sexual predators? We barely know anybody that age. It's a grace of God you live to get that old. And he don't live, he don't let people live to get that old to keep them in prison in their latter years. Oftentimes they'll take, go down the rows of prisons when they're trying to get, when they're overcrowded and they want to let people out and they'll look at age. Well he's so old now he can't do anything. We'll leave him on probation until he dies. Let him out of here. Cause we got dangerous people we need to put in here. So don't, don't tell me nothing about, well he's a this and he's a, you just listen to all these me too people. I call them the Me Too hoes. Anybody don't like that word? Huh? They just caught you on a night you didn't feel like giving it up. So I'm done with that. Okay, I'm done with that. Shut up. <laughs> Always somebody behind the curtain won't show their face. (laughs) 
You understand what I'm saying? It ain't like that's dedicated to somebody. You feel me, Miss Pat? Bless you. It's not. That's why when somebody gets under the gun and they, they confess they're a virgin, they get laughed at. Because you treat his sanctity of his body the same way you treat yours. You're judging him by your standard. You don't care who you sleep with. So we live in a world of accusation. Make sure you don't get on that train. You got me? We don't accuse anybody of anybody. That's the devil's job. And he's doing a powerful job at it. Why? Because people live out of emotions now. Nobody lives out of a moral compass. It's took taken many decades to get people depraved like they are now. But you're seeing the end result of taking God out of everything. And don't think that judge isn't being persecuted because he's a Christian. So that makes him one of us. I mean, if you if you claim Christ, see what I'm saying? See, these days we live a little crazy. The early church, when they put Paul and Peter and all of them in jail, what did the church do? They didn't go around asking, I wonder if he did it. I wonder what he did. I want he, he gotta be guilty. No, you shut up and you prayed and got them out. Why? Because we appeal to a higher authority. Paul told him, don't be taking each other to court. Don't you know you'll judge, judge kingdoms and nations one day? How are you now subject to the lower levels of, of you gonna have a judge judging between you and somebody else who's a Christian? God is your only judge. Somebody do you wrong in the church, you go to God about it. You go to no law. You don't have to go to no law. Stick the law on people, you see what happens. We don't live like that. We're free to let God judge things on our behalf. He's the only righteous one. No judge is righteous. You understand what I'm saying? But God is. So you put God above all of these things. You let him judge in these matters. So we're free to have God as our judge in all things. We don't have to side with somebody. You don't have to. People say, who do you think right? Who is right? All y'all sinners need Jesus. That's what I think. Huh? It's me what I think. Huh? So we're redeemed from the curse of the law. It means you don't have to be looking behind your shoulder trying to figure out who's coming for you. Huh? Angels are coming for you. If you, if you live for God. Amen? So we have liberty to lose that fear. All of that fear that we used to live in. You know, scared when we get around a new group of people. Do they like me? Don't they like me? Do they like me? Don't they like me? Do they like me? Do you like yourself? Have you spent enough time with God to love yourself? Huh? You know, it, it's these things are so simple. Time with God will straighten you out better, <laughs> better than anything you can think of. Amen? <laughs> you know, it, it's it's just amazing how much love can change people if you would let it work in you. You've got to let it work in you. You've got to give God a chance 
to impart some things to you that are going to change you and change your outlook forever. Huh? God is so good. He really is. So the first thing we're free to do in God is to worship and serve him. Nobody can tell you you can't serve God. We, when we <clears throat> study on the persecuted church at empowerment meeting every month, we see how those people, even people where they have governments that will arrest them if they pray and if they start a church or if they witness to somebody. But those people are free. They say, I think it's a privilege to, to, to suffer like Christ did. And we sit up there and get nervous. I don't know about you, but I get nervous when I read it still. You know, and God is trying to desensitize us to that fear of man thing and know that God will help us and take care of us and be there for us no matter what. He's breaking us out of that as a church because we're calling for revival. Revival is power. And that's what the devil's fighting all the time. Every time he threatens a Christian with suing them and taking everything they got He's stripping, trying to strip us of our power to preach the gospel. And right now, he doesn't care. He's coming after everybody. We used to think it was only the, uh, the tongue talkers. Cause we have all the power. But he hates all Christians. He hates the name of Jesus. He hates anybody who has the potential of naming it. Besides, he got most of the tongue talkers because they don't even pray in tongues no more. Everybody's fair game as far as that's concerned. If you got something and don't use it, you're the same as somebody that don't have it. In fact, worse, because he's already intimidated. Most most of the, the Christians that are on television do not preach the pure gospel. They don't let God put words in their mouth. So that's why they call themselves teachers. Because teachers stick to the script. The scripted. Jesus taught and he preached. So when the preach comes on, you got to roll with it. Huh? But they get away with it. Oh, God hasn't called me to. Well, you know, we, we, we pray in tongues, but we didn't force it on people that came to our meetings. Yeah, so you can keep them big. And you stay on television. That's why you do it. The minute you mention T-O-N-G-U-E-S, all hell comes out against you. Huh? I was, was praying with somebody when we were, uh, <clears throat> When we were on in East Cleveland the last time, as a gentleman sat down in front of me, and he uh, told me that he had cancer, and um, he said, "This is the third time." I said, "Well, God's been merciful to you." I say, "He's healed you twice already," and he says, "Well, I've done so many." He said, "I guess it's it's," he said, "It's it's it's upon my punishment for the life I lived." I said, "No, it isn't." I said, "Don't you ever say that." I said, God doesn't punish anybody. He's merciful. He'll forgive you. I said, do you know Jesus as your savior? And he said, yeah. And so uh, I told him, I said, you know, I said, every time you reach out to God, the devil's going to try and beat you back. 
And so I said, do you, do you pray in tongues? You know about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I said, would you like to pray in tongues? That's where the power is. And he said, yeah. And right away, four people came up and started arguing behind him, making noise. And he looked and I told him, I said, now don't look around us, but that's evidence that the power is here. I said, the devil always tries to stop it. I said, he's going to try to stop it with his lies about you. I said, but your sins are forgiven. I said, you're going to pray in tongues and you're going to bless God and you're going to thank him because you are healed as far as he's concerned. He's not holding anything against you. And, and, and so the things of God are always fought, folks. I mean, the devil don't want you praying in tongues, getting it the first time. And once you get it, he'll talk you out of it. He'll stay on your case until he talks. Your tongues don't sound right. They, them little bitty things, that ain't nothing. You might as well not even pray if that's all you got. huh? And then you shut up like a good boy or good girl and don't ever pray in tongues no more. huh? You get in that church you in, them people over there don't pray in tongues. Don't let them know you pray in tongues. They're going to eat you up. So you get happy in church and go, that about... Quenching the spirit. You're told not to. But see, he's got your liberty. When he tells you you can't do something God tells you you can do, he's after your liberty, folks. He don't want you free in God. He don't want you. He wants you to live a life where you think God doesn't love you. He's not answering your prayers. He's not doing anything for you. That's what he likes. So that's why Paul said, stand fast. Don't move. Don't let the devil budge you out of your position of liberty. Stay free to obey God. Not free to go do stupid stuff, but free to obey God and do what God wants you to do with your life. Start enjoying it. Start enjoying being able to witness to people. Start enjoying passing out tracts. Start enjoying praying for the sick. Start enjoying those things. Because that's really, that's the only joy a Christian really has, is the service of God. You don't enjoy that, that other stuff. Sipping and lying and sneaking, that, that's, you know, come on y'all. We can live better than that. So the life where you, you're free to worship and serve God. Mark 16, <clears throat> this is the, the desire of all believers. And you keep believing God for it until it happens in your life. People say things like, well, I don't, I don't ever witness to anybody. Have you ever asked God to give you somebody to talk to? Witnessing is how you live. And then expecting God to open your mouth and share why you live the way you do. Somebody's going to see what you got and want it. I was talking to Sheree, who's still in the hospital, and she was saying she led somebody to the Lord. I said, Sheree, you're a witness no matter where you are and what you are. Now, don't get it twisted, folks. God don't make you sick and send you to the hospital so you can witness to people. And don't even go there with me. But we might wind up find ourselves in any place. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You could be in, in the White House and God will have you witness to somebody. 
You can be in the outhouse and God will have you. You know them porta potties? <laughs> you be in there and God will send somebody with us to you. Huh? <laughs> you know, you go open the door and see somebody. Oops, do excuse me. I'm going to close it. But do you know Jesus is your Savior while you, while I got your attention? We don't, we don't want to miss this opportunity. Seriously. Okay, Mark 16. Verse 14, this is Jesus appeared to the 11 as they set out meat. You notice one person's missing, and he will be, Judas. He upbraided them for their unbelief and their hardness of heart because they did not believe them which had seen him after he was risen. You notice he did not upbraid them for deserting him. At his crucifixion. Why not? Father, forgive them. They know not what they are doing. You see how powerful forgiveness is? I mean real forgiveness. I tell what the stuff we call ourselves doing. I'm going to forgive, but I won't forget. <laughs> but they going to think I'm a pushover. <laughs> You're pushover from the, for the devil if you say something like that. Amen. They got you pegged right. Well, when forgiveness is complete, you have no recollection of it anymore. You have no desire to bring it up anymore. Amen. Huh? Once it's forgiven, to bring it up again is retaliation. And all the married people say, we done all been there, haven't we? Huh? Remember that time when we was in the third grade? And you- <laughs> huh? <laughs> Women, we have a, a, a photographic memory for offenses. Men forget it and keep moving. And women <laughs> bring it up old and new. All that kind of stuff. If If you're you're in Christ and you forgive and allow him to help you erase it from your memory is gone. The only thing that does is keep you in bondage. Unforgiveness is bondage. And you won't get your prayers answered. See, you can't imprison somebody else without imprisoning yourself. Mark eleven twenty four. If you don't forgive... Neither will your father who is in heaven forgive you. And you think, well, that ain't no big thing. Yeah, until you're waiting for years to get one little prayer answer. Or you're struggling all the time to get your bills paid. Or you can't keep a job and get a promotion. Check your heart. Check who you got in prison with you. Huh? Open them doors. Let them people out of there so you can come out too. Amen? He says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. These are the signs that follow those who believe. In my name, they'll cast out devils, starting with your own. Just a thought. I mean, don't skip the important stuff. They shall speak in new tongues. They shall take up serpents, 
If they drink any deadly thing, it won't hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and it shall recover. Now, tongues protects you from the devil's power. Amen? Amen. You pick up serpents and scorpions, all of this stuff. And it helps you to minister freedom from the devil's power to others. You can cast out devils out of them and you can lay hands on them and God will heal them through you. I'm not talking about a maybe. I'm not talking about a one day. I'm not talking about, well, if I live right, I'm not talking. See, the devil will put all that stuff in your head. Well, the reason you never prayed for a sick person is. Huh? And see, we sit and listen to that nonsense. You ever prayed for God to put a sick person in your path? You need to. God, let me run into somebody that needs you. Let me run into somebody who's sick. Let me run into somebody who's, instead of talking about yourself all the time. We either talk about him or we talk about us. Or we talk about other people. But I know we don't do that, right? We're saints. But you're going to spend your liberty doing something. You're either going to spend it increasing your freedom or you're going to spend it binding yourself up and getting other people bound. You got me? That's why I don't listen to church gossipers, people who watch everybody's faults and one tell, run, tell the pastor what y'all know better than me. Y'all quit doing that. Like y'all scared of me. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to hear it. Cause the Bible's clear on what you do about stuff like that. You can go to God just like I can go to God. Why are you dumping your burdens on me? I look like a garbage can to you. I'm trying to keep my heart and my soul free so I can preach to you and help you out of a hole. Why are you going to run to me and tell me what's wrong with somebody else? In your humble opinion. All these people, armor bearers, ain't nothing but gossips, most of them. They elevated them. Used to be the church gossip, now they the armor bear. Used to be the tro- church troublemaker, now you took them under your wing. You know, God told me a long time, he said, I'll tell you anything that needs, that anything that's going on you need to know, I'll tell you. You don't need another human being telling you nothing. People always want to prophesy to ministers. Why? Why would you mess their life up? If they don't have a pipeline to God already, they don't need you. You can't create one for them. You're going to speak into a life of somebody that God's already given them responsibility for souls. And you're going to mess up everybody that's under them. Stay in your liberty. Stay free to hear from God, period. You don't need a bunch of people speaking to you all the time about everything. Get confident in what God's put in you. So we're to go and preach to every little... You know, you can go anywhere in the world without fear. Just under this one scripture. It doesn't say go into all the world only if you're going to preach You understand? Because see, people can take this to mean if I'm not going with a specific idea of preaching to somebody, I can't go anywhere. You can go anywhere. Huh? 
He said, go into all the world and while you're there, preach the gospel. You can go, you can go uh, on a vacation and win more souls on vacation than you could doing anything else. You know, uh, we could quit going on vacation because I'll just embarrass my little unsaved husband. Uh, he wasn't unsaved. He was sanctified by God, but he was embarrassed about everything. And so I would tell anybody that God told me to tell about Christ, about Christ. So you want me to pray for you? And he'd be shrinking. <laughs> he'd be the size of an ant by the time I got finished. Embarrassed. huh? Well, if you don't claim Christ, you're embarrassed by people who do. You understand what I'm saying? Well, I don't care if we don't go on vacation no more. That gives me more freedom to do what I really want to do. I mean, I could care. I don't care. Down there in all that hot sun, you know, I'm come from a long line of people trying to get out of them cotton fields. Come on now. Don't play me like that's all good and everything. You know what I'm saying? I can roll anywhere. So we are free to worship and serve God. We're free to go preach the gospel. You can preach to anybody. God says you can. That means you can. Nobody's off limits for you to preach to them about the goodness of God. Tell them God loves them. Tell them God wants him, them to live forever. God's been waiting for me to talk to you because he wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to let you know he's your friend now. You know? So, so let's go for it. Let's understand God some. The love and forgiveness of God are central to the gospel. They're central. Mark 11, 24 and 25 are very powerful in their their necessity for us to to uh, obey these things. So you have the freedom to forgive. Mark 11:24 we just spoke that a little bit, but I'll let you read it for yourself. Therefore I say what things soever you desire when you pray believe that you receive them and you shall have them. When you start pray stand praying forgive. If you have anything against anybody, why? Because if you don't, your prayer is not heard and it's not honored. You have to be forgiven of everything before God will bless your life. You know, if you go to God with sin on your soul, that can be the driving force in that prayer. So it's it's sometimes we have uh, jealousy of what we see somebody else with. And we'll start praying out of that jealousy. If you don't go to God and say, God, please forgive me. I got jealous of my neighbor's goods. I know that ain't right. But I, when I stand before you praying, I don't want to have anything between me and you. I want it to be a clean pipeline. You got me? Confess for things you know if you don't even know. God, if there's anything, I confess it. Please forgive me. I just want to be right before you. I don't want to take anything for granted. This isn't a for granted relationship. Why would you want to take God's mercy for granted? You can't do that. He's a holy God. He sees right through that stuff. You know, some people are sloppy. Sometimes they repent. Sometimes they don't. I would do it regularly. Whatever you do in God, be faithful with it. Don't do a haphazard nothing. You understand me? He wants us to have habits of holiness. Whatever keeps you right with God, you do that continually. 
Daniel spent a, a night in with, a, with a, a den of lions and came out alive. Why? He served God continually. He didn't do it sometime and sometime. Well, I ain't been that bad. I don't think I have to. You lying to yourself. You lying right now. If you haven't done anything, you've been thinking about doing something. If you haven't been doing nothing but sitting up there enjoying uh, more housewives. Ain't none of them hoes married either. That's a new housewife. A hoe is a new housewife. Oh, that's what we've been missing. I missed the whole point. Now I got it. So anybody can call themselves a housewife. And then women who live with one husband all their life and raise their children and are what we call normal. Now you got to feel small. Because you don't have their millions and you don't have their facelifts and whatever else they get lifted and implanted. Then when that don't work, they got another show. You can go on botched. You just one reality show to the next. I guess what they call, that's what they call normal life. So we have the power to forgive. That is very powerful. John 20. If you'll go there. Verse 23. This is Jesus when he was raised from the dead. So this is a New Testament dispensation of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit indwells us according to what we believe we're receiving him for you know that right most people are saved but not filled with the spirit because that's what they get preached you know do you want to confess jesus as your savior and people say yes and they receive forgiveness of sins and the seal of the holy spirit so that he is able to dwell them in the measure that they have been preached and what they believe. There are some people who are able to offer them the baptism of the Holy Spirit at the same time they're born again and they speak with other tongues to get filled with the Spirit. You understand what I'm saying? And so God allows us to dispense the Holy Spirit according to the proportion of the faith that we feel we have to impart to them that they're able to understand and believe. And so... We always believe that the Holy Spirit who lives in you begins to move you to crave for more. How many of you were saved and then you got dry and you stayed dry and you started to ask God, isn't there more? And he said, yes, there is more. So we let God, by the Holy Spirit, take care of the more. Don't feel condemned if people don't want to pray in tongues the first time you minister to them. Get them saved and then tell them that there is a life in Christ he wants you to live. You need to get in a good church. You want to come to mine and tell them where you go to church. And so this business of, of the Holy Spirit and how he indwells us and helps us is very important for us to understand. When Jesus left them, he left them with an empowerment to get people born of his spirit only. 
they had to wait another 50, 40 day Pentecost is 50 days uh, for the spirit to become from on high so that they could be witnesses. Amen. But as they went, they could forgive sins. They could release people from their sins. You got me? So they have that empowerment. Why is that important? Because you need that for them to want the more. You need that for them to want to go to, to, to the upper room and to Jerusalem and wait for the power from on high. You need that for you so that when you get to the upper room, you can receive something. You got me? And so when he breathed on them, receive you the Holy Ghost, whoever sends you forgive, they are forgiven. Whoever sends you retain, that is you refuse to forgive, they are retained in you. So you're going to learn to obey me. Because when your life is hindered, you're going to know what the problem is. Amen. Always the same problem. And we'll learn how to accept his forgiveness and quit going around moping and looking crazy because we did something wrong 10 years ago. And it was so bad. I'll never get rid of this. That's why we got repeat offenders in the body of Christ. They keep doing the same things over and over because they don't know how to stay in that word. Listen, I remember... God telling me that I could change my thoughts. I would, I would drive myself crazy, beat myself up. God, I'm a, my husband wants to divorce me. I, what did I do wrong? I, he, why don't you tell me what I did wrong? God, if I could, I did that for years until God showed me. He said, you know what? You can think on things. He says, what you think? He said, think on things that are good and lovely. I said, God, I don't know nothing good. He said, let me show you in the word what's good. Just think on hoping that this will happen to you. We live in hope, folks. We don't have everything. I don't care what faith people tell you. They ain't got everything either. Only difference between them and you is they problems got more zeros behind it. Yours is hundreds and maybe a thousand, but theirs is millions. They living on credit just like you and me are. So he gives them the command to forgive. I've been uh, listening to a, a gentleman, you know, that prayer walking movement. I finally found out the person that started it. It's very different from what you see for all these People, Christians running around here, walking, running down the street, call themselves praying for people. But he says that God showed him that repentance and forgiveness was what he was doing as he walked. As you walk, go back to Bethany. Repent of the sins of yourself and your forefathers and ask for forgiveness. Just from that simple act of forgiveness as he walked. He has been apprehended by Muslim terrorists, gang leaders, um, all kinds of people pull knives on him, pull guns on him, and he's escaped every single time. Why? Because as he stands there, he forgives them. And God breaks it out of the devil's power and God... He said a gang member found him. He had been walking the blocks on in this city. A gang member uh, grabbed him one night, pulled him in an alley. And he said, I've been watching you. You've been doing this. He knew how many nights he'd been out there, what time he'd been out there. He said, this is my turf. 
He said, I'll cut you and I'll kill you. He said he had a knife against his throat. He said, I was scared to swallow because I thought I would swallow and the knife would dig into my skin. And he said, I told, I said, Father, give me something to say. He said that within himself. He said, Lord, I forgive this man. And so Henry said, I told him, he said, I just wanted you to know Jesus loves you. And he backed away from him. And so they began to talk eventually. He put down his knife and Henry said, why did you step away from me? He said, because all of a sudden I got afraid of you. You see how God will turn the tables if we forgive. The simplest thing in the world to say is, God, I forgive them. God, please bless that person's life. I don't want to hold anything against them because I don't want anything between me and you. My relationship with you is too important for me to get petty at this point. Who's right and who's wrong is not important. You see that, don't you? Jesus never told them to say, well, if they're right, you do it. If they're wrong, you don't. You're, knowing, you're in no position to judge who's right and wrong. None righteous but him. You let God do the judging. You do the obeying. You just make it your business to set people free through the forgiveness of sins. And set yourself free while you're at it. We're free to bless. In Luke 6... In verse 28, 27, I say to you which hear, love your enemies, do good to them that hate you. Bless them that curse you. Pray for them that despitefully use you. Use you. Use you. That's what everybody's scared of. Isn't that true? Well, don't, uh, what's the old, the old, uh, Church saying, don't, ex- don't, don't confuse my meekness with weakness. <laughs> you ain't even meek, you old proud thing. You don't even know what meekness is. Meekness just means you can't think of nothing smart to say about to nobody right now. It's the only reason you shut your mouth. Huh? They think I'm weak because I don't say nothing. And then all the while the devil's trying to Get you to figure out something to do and say to get back at them. That's a gateway to retaliation. Huh? If you're going to let it go, let it go. Huh? Let God have it. Every time we let something go, God picks it up. He can't vindicate you and he can't judge on your behalf if you don't let him have stuff. How does he have stuff? Through your forgiving people. See, when you're a forgiver, you can stand in authority with no problem. It'll seem normal to you. Instead of it seeming weird to you and you let the devil talk you out of it. You can go through life freely binding everything that don't move. Well, that ain't my business. It's mine. I'm a representative. I'm an ambassador for Christ. Do you know who this is? That means I do what Jesus would do if he was here. If he saw evil, he would not let it continue. That's me. And that's you. If you let yourself live like that. 
See, the Bible says the righteous are as bold as a lion. The only thing you got to do is keep your brain from getting entangled in a bunch of who, what, where, when, and why stuff. Huh? Well, so-and-so did this to me and they don't like me. It doesn't matter. Out! See, that hurts the devil. You tell him something don't matter when he wants to make it matter, that burns him up. What you mean it don't matter? You let them do it to you. I said, baby, sit down. Let me tell you what they have done to me. Huh? And it don't matter either. That don't matter. None of it matters. What matters? Relationship. We're ministers of reconciliation. We're not ministers of wrath. We're not ministers of retaliation. We're not judges. There's only one judge and he tells me to forgive. What's he told you to do? Liar, he ain't told you to do that. So we're free to bless, especially those who curse us. And when I say bless, I mean start with forgiving and asking God to cleanse your heart toward them. We're free to pray. Matthew 5, 44, I think we were just there. It says we can pray for those. The Bible tells us to pray always and not faint. That means don't give up on your prayer. Matthew 5, I have 44 down here. But I say to you, love your enemies. There you go. Bless them that curse them. Pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Why? That makes you look like you belong to God. Huh? You become imitators of your father. So you do what your father would do. Amen? You you imitate him and don't go off on your own tangent. We're free to love. We are commanded to love. And to esteem, esteem one another more highly than ourselves. Now many people don't really know what that means. They think, say for instance, if I tell Nola, I said, Nola, I, said, I think you need to use your faith on this thing. I said, because it's, you know, it's not happening the way you want it to. Now see, half the people I say that to would be offended. I got faith. Now, devils really don't have faith. And that thing you spoke out of, you understand what I'm saying? You know, if I'm, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounded a little satanic to me. I don't live down there, but I've heard their voices. They live up here enough. You understand what I'm saying? Just don't go there. But see, love is not easily offended. In fact, it takes a long time for somebody who walks in love to let you wear them down because they know what you're trying to do. Or know what the enemy's trying to do through you. You understand what I'm saying? And so love isn't touchy like everything. Looking for trouble. You know how some people are. This suspicious cat, you know. Always looking for something to be upset about. You know, upset is their middle name. If they don't get upset, they ain't living. They don't feel like they had a day worthwhile. They just want to be mad about something. Huh? And see, once people start feeding off of that, it's hard to break that down even with the love of God. See, repentance, especially if they're believers, repentance has to come through them first before they can even start receiving the fruit of the Spirit. 
because they're so they they're hardened. The Bible says when you hear the Lord's voice, don't harden your heart against it, but humble yourself and receive that ingrafted word. It'll save your soul. See, you need your soul saved. You can go crazy as a Christian messing around with the devil and unforgiveness. Luke 6.38 tells us to give. So we're commanded to love. Love means to esteem that other person more highly than ourselves, more than anything else. You're looking out for their welfare. You're considering them. You're reaching out to them. Amen. You're, you're, you're setting yourself aside so that somebody else can have an easy way. Or can have an easier route. You understand what I'm saying? And God's love is not just for you and your family. It's for everybody. You understand what I'm saying? I mean the real love of God is to be extended abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. You let him get loose. It'll shock you how well you can navigate through life. And make other people know that God loves them. You understand what I'm saying? Make them certain of it that God loves them. People feel like they don't have to put on a front for you. They can get comfortable around you. They can be who they are without fear of condemnation or anything like that. Amen? Because the love of God frees other people up as well. You're free, they're free. Amen? And so we have to to understand the power of that one thing. So that we can live in it freely before God. Don't ever be afraid to extend love to people. Don't be afraid to reach out to a neighbor or a friend or somebody like that. In doing the things that God puts on your heart to do. Uh, Don't don't withdraw your hand of mercy toward people. uh, Wondering if you're going to get paid. And let me mention this while I'm at it. People, People think that that. Bad things only happen to you if you deserve it. We break your power, devil, in the name of Jesus. Keep trying to crack this thing. You've been cracking it every time I talk loud. Liar. Praise God. But God... The love of God, and this is important, don't ever be afraid to extend love to people. And when bad things happen in your life, don't wonder what you did wrong to make it happen. And don't say that it's not fair that it happened to you because you live right. Or you, you understand what I'm saying? Don't put yourself above the trials and the, the, the problems of your neighbors. Because Jesus has promised us trouble. If you think for one minute you're not going to get some of what he got, you're out of your mind. The servant is not above his master. And the minute you think you're earning no trouble because of the way you live, I got news for you. The Bible says the godly will be persecuted in this life. So, you know what? Your your best thing is to don't ever take it personal. It's only business. You know, like the mafia people say, when they get ready to blow your brains out or beat your brains out with a bat, don't take it personal. It's only business. You understand? You're just another business negotiation to them. And it's the same thing with us. If you take it personal, you're adding trouble to your life. 
you got to learn how to get yourself, make yourself small. The smaller you can make yourself, the happier you will be. Amen. Jesus died for you and that should be enough elevation. In fact, most of us need to feel like a thief for getting as much as we get from God. You don't know how it happened and you couldn't live a life to get it to happen if you tried. I've tried it. I said, well, God, what did I do right to get this? And then you want to try and repeat it and it falls flat. Huh? So you can't cheat. So we are commanded to love everybody. Now, there are always going to be people you take a liking to for different things or another. But I've learned how to ask God, God, I like this person because they're easy to talk to or they do this or that. Show me how to love them and love everybody like I love them. Trade that like in for love sometimes. Amen. And get out of your emotions, get out of your feelings, get out of your soul. Because there's going to come a time where the love of God is going to have to get tough in their life if you're a, re, you know, you're a friend of theirs. And you're going to have to learn how to not go soft on people because you like them. Amen. You're going to have to learn how to speak up and give them God's loving word of correction. The other one is in giving. We are command, we are free to give. In fact, we are commanded to give. God has appointed us of, as stewards over kingdom goods. Once it comes into your hands, it belongs to the kingdom of God. Amen. So you're a steward over his kingdom goods. And what does that mean? That means when God tells you to release them, number one, they're not your permanent possession. They might be in your garage. They might be in your closet. They might be in your house, might be in your kitchen, your refrigerator, whatever. But they are kingdom. That is kingdom property. And he is holding us accountable to be responsible over kingdom goods so that he can have somebody here he can depend on to disperse and distribute. Amen. So he wants to disperse and distribute to everybody who has a need and everybody who needs a blessing. Sometimes things you give to people is not because they need them, but they need to feel the love of God. You, you ever realize that? I mean, if we just look at what we think are perceived needs, we could be stingy or we can be generous. But if we go by the leading of the Holy Spirit and the witness of the Spirit, you know, the other thing is don't think because somebody blesses you with something that they think you, you're broken destitute. You ain't poor because I'm giving you rich as I am. I just feel to bless you because God told me to bless you. You understand what I'm saying? Maybe you need a touch from God. Maybe you got something coming up in in your your budget that you could use that money that you might have spent on this thing to do something. You can divert it yourself. It's up to you how you you do that. But my job is to obey God. You understand what I'm saying? So don't be so funny about letting people bless you. You know, don't put the brakes. I think most people in here know better, but, but don't. And, and when you, when you are given something, there is a grace to receive it graciously. You know, you don't have to turn up your nose at everything and say this ain't, I don't know what they gave me. You know, you might wonder that sometime, but I tell you what, you start wondering and speaking, you won't get much else from God. You understand what I'm saying? He's testing you. 
to see if you can find the grace to humble yourself and receive the gift or the offering of God. Amen. A lot of times I'll tell people, people say, well, I don't want so-and-so giving me stuff. And your parents will say this about their grown kids. I say, are you kidding me? I was with you when you had to pray them through this and pray them, them bums owe you. No, don't call them bums. Them brats of yours, they owe you something. It's time to collect. You, When you in heaven, you won't be able to collect no more. Collect now. Let them be blessed now. Let them invest in your life. You understand what I'm saying? We get crazy about stuff sometimes, you know, and, and you could even be in need sometimes. And maybe your kid is the one God told to bless you and help you out. You got to let that process take place. You got to humble yourself. I imagine it don't feel good, but I've never, I've never told God that. <laughs> I don't want so-and-so give me, fork it over. My name is on it. You put it in my hand. Mess up both of us like that. How much is it? You know, but anyway, but, but this is God's way. If you're a loving person, a truly loving, giving person, you'll give freely when God tells you to give and you'll receive freely. Amen. When it's given to you. Amen. Why don't we stop? Father, we thank you for your word and for understanding. Thank you, Lord, for helping us, blessing us, keeping us whole, keeping us safe, keeping us in freedom and liberty. We are standing in the liberty wherefore Christ has set us free and not getting entangled with the world again. Father, we will not uh, demean ourselves by seeking after the world's goods. We've got kingdom goods. They're much higher quality and more of them. Father, I thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Draw each of us into your presence and into your word. So we can see what freely belongs to us by the power of faith and the power of your covenant in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. You know, the Lord's telling me, if he said, if you all would get in the word this week, he'll start to show you greater things that he's laid up for you. So he'll start to give you good things to focus on so that you can know that you have good things coming. Amen. So you can expect the right things from him. Praise God. Amen. Thank you, Father. We bless you, Lord. We praise you. Amen. Praise God. If anybody needs prayer, come on up. Power, And he's holding us accountable to use our words and our voice to speak to our bodies and command them to be rested, to be whole. And he said, if any of you are doing more than more than 40 hours a week, start using your faith for that's enough. OK, 40 is enough for anybody for God to bless you and bring what he needs to bring into your life and quit praying for an extra job and start asking him to supply your needs. Amen. Because the devil keep you running around forever like this. Amen. I'm telling you. Well, I can't tell you from experience. <laughs> But I, I could if I dare, no. But I'm telling you, God just always admonished me about rest because when I, my type of sickness that, that the devil used to put on me was mental. So I know how to stay out of mental entanglements. And I see people pressing themselves and, and I, you know, keep you before the Lord that you don't snap. But, but you gotta take, look out for yourself now and start protecting yourself and your health with your words. Amen. All right. Well, Father, we thank you for admonishing us for how to use our faith for the greatest life ever because it's in your rest. So we thank you for that, Lord, and we bless you and we praise you.
In Jesus' name. Come up here a minute, Miss Nola. Praise God. Amen. Come on, catch your mom. Don't you say if my mom can bounce. I heard you. No, you just. <laughs> Praise God. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Lord. Father, we break this addiction to busyness. Let her rest in Jesus' name. Praise God. You know, sometimes you can be pushing yourself around so much throughout life, sometimes out of necessity, that the enemy gets grabbed onto that, and you can almost be restless if you don't have a lot of stuff going on. So we just thank God for bringing us into the rest he's ordained for us. Amen. Praise God.